Charlotte McIver here from NUI Galway's Drama and Theatre Studies and I'm talking with the cast of From a Low and Quiet Sea, the new adaptation of Donal Ryan's novel by Decadent Theatre and the Galway Arts Centre. I'll be joined by director Andrew Flynn, Esof Afsal, Dara O'Toole, Mae Fitzgerald, and Lorcan Kranich. And if you listen extra closely, you'll hear a surprise appearance by novelist Donal Ryan. So Andrew, you're very welcome. I think you probably need no introduction to this crowd here. Um, so this has not been your first outing with the work of Donal Ryan. Do you want to talk to us about Decadent's relationship to Donal and your journey with this work? I know Donal a long time. I knew his sister before I knew Donal. <laughs> sister Mary. Who, I, who I, I, I asked it slow dance one night, but she said no. <laughs> I was too tall, she told me. Um, so I know Donald a long time, and um, I didn't know Donald wrote books, to be honest with you. Um, and I was working in the art centre, and Danny Gill said to me, I've read this book called The Spinning Heart, and it's by a lad from Nina. And I was like, Really? And she said, yeah. And I read it, and uh, I was, um, how would I put it? I was just blown away um, by the book, of course, but the minute I read the book, I, I instantly knew the landscape. I knew, I can't explain it, everything. Uh, he writes in a way that um, he creates characters. And I'm talking, like, in Nina, for example, people drive in a certain way. And in that book, he captures a lad saluting in a car that I instantly recognised in his words. And I was completely blown away. And then I was handed a second book, which was his first book, but second published book. And that just... Um, yeah, it made me cry, it made me laugh, it made me do everything... And, uh, yeah, I can't describe it. I just knew he writes characters and he writes in a language that I understood or instantly knew. I grew up in a pub. So um, I had this... Um, I was compelled to try and do it and I probably harassed him and harangued him and put him under an awful lot of pressure. But eventually he trusted us with it, and we, 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 we staged it in 2019. And uh, that was the thing about December, and had huge plans to tour it, and then, of course, COVID kicked. So it was during the pandemic I approached Donald again and said, look, um, what about this next book? Um, and he was so generous, and he just said, away you go. And um, here we are tonight. But it's about a, nearly a year ago now, Donald, we... We, we gathered in Longford, I think, to, to hear it first. Mm -hmm. And at that point, there were six characters in the play. And um, it was probably four and a half hours long. <laughs> um, uh, and we've been at it kind of ever since, mm. uh, trying to distill it. And that was the... Uh, this is his work, and he's the most humble man I've ever met. He will say, this is nothing to do with him, it's everything to do with Donald. Because he has imagined these characters... He has given them a voice. He has created a plot. All I've done with the actors, and the actors, oh, 
they've done a hell of a lot more of it than me, have, um, and it was hard because you had to say goodbye to so much. Stuff that you're reading and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and you're like, but we can't do a four and a half hour play. Um, so it, the, the job was literally to distill it mm. and to, 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 to cut, which was heartbreaking. And I said to someone the other day, you probably don't have another play with the stuff we had to take away. Just, you know, we just had to. Um, and that was really, but it is completely his work and it's his play. And no matter how he says it's not, it is done. <laughs> it's from your, from your mind and your imagination you've created these characters. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> everyone could just introduce themselves and the role that you played in the play so we'll start with so my name uh, well thank you everybody for, for coming along and for staying on for this my name is Osaf Afzal and I played Farouk um, my name is Dara O'Toole and I played Lampy thanks for coming and, uh, I'm Lord Cass, I played John well, fantastic. So we were just speaking about the process of adapting the novel into the play, and Andrew was taking us into the, the collaborative relationship with Donald from the beginning, and then going from four and a half hours to the brilliant two hours that we were part of tonight. So in those moments of decision in the rehearsal room, Andrew, in terms of where was the moment to make the cut, distilling down, was that something that was happening between you and Donal or across the ensemble of actors as well? It was a long process. Like It, it was very much a collaborative thing. And, um, like, the actors, it's a, it's a strange, you know, you, you read this at home and you, you, you kind of go, oh, this is wonderful. And then the actors come in and they, they breathe life into a thing. And that's when the real process began. Mm -hmm. And they were, oh, hello, Maeve. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it was ex extremely, I mean... We all, they, they were painstakingly, at times, I found it hard because they'd be like, you know, what's this line? And I don't know what this, and you feel like, oh, that's, it's, and it wasn't. It was, it was, it was hard to describe. We had to just cut, 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 mm -hmm. and felt guilty about cutting. Mm -hmm. And the process was, but the actors were painstakingly, they wanted the truth, mm -hmm. but they also knew it had to be distilled down to work theatrically, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a huge collaborative push, and it was before the rehearsals, it was during the rehearsals, it was, um, yeah, you know, and I'm sure if we went at it again tomorrow, we'd probably... So for the four of you as an ensemble, you know, the play moves, or, and moves along on parallel tracks throughout and then builds to this very climactic series of distilled moments between the four of you. What was it like, I suppose, building ensemble across the four of you when, for so much of the play, it was you alone on stage, holding the space, holding the story? Were you coming in and out of the rehearsal room alone? Were you in there together? We rehearsed um, together briefly at the beginning, didn't we? We, we had mm. a few sort of workshop scenes together. And then um, we barely saw each other, to be honest with you. Uh, it's the first one seen. useful because because stuff was changing all the time with the text things were being refined every time we'd come in and watch somebody else's run it was like seeing it for the first time which is kind of magic 
and um, because each of these characters are telling their own version of the same story, it was actually quite useful not to be completely immersed in everybody else's story all the time, you know? Um, but it's certainly weird doing a play so much in isolation. It's very, uh, I, I mean, my experience was, was kind of uh, exactly that, but it was slightly different in this. I think most of the last portion of the rehearsals, um, Maeve and, uh, and Osaf were here in, in Galway. I was in I was in Dublin, mm. and you know it was even more isolated in that way. Um, and I was very desperate to know how the hell it was going, you know, down in uh, down in Galway. How was that whole rehearsal going? And and um, so that was kind of odd, but it was. Uh, because they are monologues, you are trying, as, as Andrew said, to, to you know keep an eye and make the make the thread of the story work, and that's what you will do, I suppose. You know, with a with a character, anyway. Really, it's just to keep the, the truth of the character. But um, I was also really desperate to find out what what else, what everybody else was doing and how it felt, and I was glad that I came down sooner than I. That, we were that I was supposed to. But one thing that, that I have discovered is what I find difficult is the power of the other stories. I hear them before I come on. Mm -hmm. And I get affect I actually get affected by them in a way that you wouldn't normally do in a play. Mm -hmm. You know, there's you're, you're doing a if you're doing scenes in a play that follow on from what's or, or you've got a place that you come from and you bring to the stage. But I mean, um, Farouk's story is so powerful. Just before my, I find that personally as a as a part of anybody else yes. is kind of separate. Is it's having to shut that out, mm. which is really really tricky. I'll, I'll play it for laughs next time. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll try and inject some comedy into his delivery. Yeah, yeah. But, but but there was a funny like, I I came to it with a preconceived notion that you know because I had done plays like this before, it was like, I don't know, it's really grand. We'll, we'll all just come on at the start and we'll just be up in the shadows and we'll come on. And we tried that and it was just bizarre because it was like they can't hear each other's stories because they're not, they don't know, like Lampy doesn't know John exists. He doesn't really engage with Farouk. And I, like, I kid you not, four weeks ago there were six actors in this play. Like Mrs. Coyne was a character, uh, uh, Pop was a character. And the more we went through it, the more it was like, th this is not going to... Th the play had three main stories, and it was like we were bringing three actors in. So at that point, mm -hmm. we had three characters coming on in Act 2 to bring it together. And it was during a workshop one day, it was like, we can't do that. It's, it's, it, it was strange and didn't quite work. So then we had to go back and find a way, and Florence was the person that we felt is actually connected to all three characters. Mm. So sh it, it became, I suppose the job became trying to f find a voice for Florence. And Donal has done that in the, in the novel, but in the kind of latter end. Mm. So we had Florence number two, and then it was like, well, how are we going to find Florence number one? And, 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 and it came from a lot of Lampy stuff, mm. or pop stuff yeah. from, the, from the book where it, 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 you know, she took some of Lampy stuff. And I suppose that was the other challenge was, 
for Dara, in the book, Donal is kind of the outside view and Lampy is being described by Donal. So the poetry of Lampy is very beautiful in the book. But when Dara spoke it, it was like, is he that poetic as a young lad? Mm. So a lot of it became about trying to make it, mm. to unpoeticize this really beautiful language to make it real in Lampy's hands. And it helps that he's got a Midlands accent. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to pretend I was American and make it much yeah. more impressive. <laughs> and so, Dara, what was it like for you to, fo to follow through that transformation of the character as written in the rehearsal process? Yeah, I mean, it was amazing. Um, this is actually my first professional stage production. So... Wow. Um, So, you know, working, working with Andrew, it was... It's just I gave amazing. you a fiver earlier. I want to keep it coming. And, um, no, but working with Andrew has been great. He's promised you know. me a tenant to say nice things. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, working with Andrew has been great. And, I mean, I, I genuinely don't think I could have got a safer pair of hands to, to go into a rehearsal room and learn everything kind of about stage and the stagecraft and, and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, and he's totally open to, to your suggestions. There's no ego. So it's, it's, for me, it's just been a really collaborative, brilliant process um, to, to go through, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, also, I understand you were almost not in this show. So tell us the story of oh how God. you came into the production. I, I think if, if Andrew will allow me to say, it was, yeah. it was just a slight misreading of, of an email, I think. Um, you looked for too much money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was sent the script um, in, this would have been around early May, and I was just, I loved it, you know, this is fantastic. And I said to my agent, you know, I want to, I want to do this. And, and my agent, I had two days filming that I had to do in um, uh, late June in London. Mm -hmm. So my agent emailed Andrew and said, it's all good for the whole uh, rehearsal process and the um, and, and the run itself, there's just two days in, in, in late June where he'll need to fly back to London. Mm. And I think, I feel bad actually having brought this up now because it, I think there was just a slight misunderstanding. I think Andrew misread the June for July and thought that I'm saying that I need to be away during the run, which obviously doesn't work. Um, so we were told, no, don't, don't worry about it, don't, don't bother. And I, I was gutted. You know. and, um, and then obviously you put these things then out of your mind and, and then about two, three weeks passed and then, luckily, I think Andrew went back to the uh, email and it said, is. oh, yeah, if it's June, then it's fine. Mm. Um, but you, understandably, he, he did need to, to fill the role quickly. Mm. And so it was a case of I had to get an audition tape in, like, yesterday. Um, so I remember getting up at four in the morning, going through the script again, because I haven't had to look at it for three weeks, because I'd assumed that you know, it's, it's an opportunity that's gone. Got up at four in the morning, went through the script, made made a tape, sent it to Andrew, and bless him, he got back to me literally a, like an hour later yeah. saying, right, I want to make this work. I'm getting in touch with your agent now. And then a few days later, I was on a plane to Galway. What you don't know is that wh when I read the email, it was at the same time as I realised the cast was reducing from six actors to four. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, we have so much work to do in this text. And I just looked and went, oh, Jesus, he's not free. Yeah. Um, and, and then, yeah, I, I don't know what made me go back, but 
the feather dropped and... Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I think that's apt and I bring up that story because it, it's hard to imagine other actors in these characters. So, you know, how did, so you, and this is Dara's premiere, we had this misadventure here. How did you know that these were the souls for these roles? Um, well, I've worked with Maeve a lot. I've tried to work with Lorcan a lot, but not easy yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dara, funnily about that is... Um, this time last year we were lining up a workshop and I asked Dara to do it but he wasn't free. Um, Maeve was and, and, and Lorcan was. I didn't know Osop and, uh, and it was at the time it was like, who am I going to get to, to read this? It was just, a, it was a workshop and we had a 24 year old uh, man from Belfast who was I think of maybe Egyptian mm. um, extraction, read and he was way too young to, for that, you know, to, for the part. But it was just to get some kind of a, a, an authentic voice reading. Mm. Um, but I, 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 I don't know. They, they, when I read the play, they were the first names that kind of came to me. And thankfully, when I sent them the script, you know, and at that point it was, it was I mean, I began by editing. And I think I probably sent them half the book, if I'm honest. Like, <laughs> the edit was not a mu much of an edit at all. Mm. And... Um, when they sat down and read the play, and they were brilliant in the in the work, actors, you can't. Uh, it's hard to describe what an actor can achieve in a look. What you sometimes have to write, you know, where you don't have the actor. So Donald might write a passage, but they can get it in an emotion or a look or a feeling. And like what the process has taught me is, I can edit away at home on a laptop all I want. Without them, you're, it's, a, it's a pointless exercise, really. Mm. And um, that first day in Longford, it was our, both our minds were blown because mm. what the actors brought to the process was just extraordinary. And I think we definitely knew at that point, okay, we have something here. Um, and you know, Donald went away and I went away. And I think Maeve got a lot of emails with stuff coming over and back. And then it was like, we need to do another workshop, which we did. And then when we got to rehearsals, the process started again, and everyone was just on board to, you know, and was so giving in terms of, I don't know if we need that line. And, you know, and because Donald was generous, you know, he really was. There was no preciousness. There was no, you can't do that. You, he was completely, he just let us go. Um, but as I said earlier, it's all his, like, We've been editing, and that was what was really difficult. Like, that's, I can't describe. Larkin Cranich cried one day, literally, because he was like, I don't want to let go of that line. <laughs> you know, and I had cut one line, for example, which I had cut, and I go, Larkin, we don't need the line. We don't need it. And, he's, and he fought me on it, and he was right. And it's that line in his second monologue, there was a smell of... Pons cream and onions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's gold. I mean, normally when you're learning lines, you 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 will start paraphrasing and stuff like that. But oh god, it's so it just hits you like a sledgehammer when you paraphrase it wrong and you realise the words that don't actually chills. And you think just you know it, it makes it 
so much more beautiful than anything you'll ever come up with in there off the top of your head. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're in you know, the way you're going to graph it for, for the right lines and things. But to be honest with you, I hadn't known the novel before. I've known um, the thing about December, but I have what I haven't known this one. And I, when we read it, the, the 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 drafts that you gave us, it was just beautiful, and you just you 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 can't. You've got to be absolutely as, as bang on with it because Donald has, and it's, it's, a, it's poetic in its choices. Really. I, I would absolutely second that. It's it's hard to, to describe really. There's there's such a pleasure that certainly I get as an actor, and I'm, I'm sure I speak for everybody. There's a pleasure in saying these words, even as as hard and as harsh as some of some of the storylines can be. Yes. It's the eloquence and the beauty of the the language. Is what I, I love it. Yeah, I just yeah. saying those words. It, mm. It's 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 this wonderful experience. Yeah. Oh, no, I mean, just no. They're just such wonderfully rounded characters. I think mm, that's yeah. why you get to bring them on a journey. And you know, what Lampy, it's it's everything. It's the good. It's the bad. It's the imperf- imperfection. And it's 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 human. You know, it's it's, it's really enjoyable to play it off. or comments from the audience and thank you so much for staying um, to be in dialogue here. Can I just say I'm not helped by one of the main props being that feather that I was told to make sure nobody knocks by. discussing it you're understanding the motivation the emotion behind it and you know Andrew's giving you all the substance and, and, and it, to me it just 
as long as you put the work in, it was going to come. And yeah, they they all like cared so much that it was accurate. Uh, they left no stone unturned, and that was work. That wasn't that was work they did themselves. Uh, you know, we just Tara Finn is somewhere in the background, but she ran lines with Osaf <coughs> and, and and Dara, and there was a gorgeous girl called Kira who ran lines with Larkin and Maeve. Um, but that was their, like, and, I, and any actor I've ever worked with, there's a determination to get that right. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. it, it's, a, it's vital in a way mm -hmm. to, to, you know, when it's well written, when it's really well written. Yeah. But it can be overacted sometimes. And I think what was absolutely stunning tonight was it wasn't. So, so on that, because I remember Maeve and I were talking about this earlier. Um, it's a case that you just let the words take you yeah, places. Exactly, yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You let the words take you to places. And sometimes that'll be very subtle and soft. Other times it'll be, it'll be big and emotive. But it's the words that are, in a sense, doing the talking for you. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a, one of my favourite phrases in the whole thing is that Sam is Stephen Boy. And he says he's, you know, he's tall, te tall tended towards lanky, but he hasn't the full of himself yet. God, <laughs> <laughs> you can't, there's no other way of saying it. Yeah. That was about that me. Was that was about me. And now, 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 Lorcan, now. Didn't then. That, that kind of work sort of gives you the thing so that when you actually have to give that person uh, any kind of voice or sound, you don't need to do that much. And I, I, the one question that we did more worry about because um, sorry, in the case of John, he's not he's just, you know, he's had a lot of a, a lot of life, he's done a lot of him he's, he's actually dead really. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean, he is in, in terms of the, the actual story of death but the, the if he in, in sort of creating the other characters in in his version of the story um I kind of felt I have to be careful about how accurate uh, an impression or impersonation of that person is because John isn't an actor, do you know? So you just have to <laughs> balance with what you've yeah. told about who he is mm -hmm. and let you guys do the rest of who he is. Yeah, that would be So we might close with a question for Maeve, actually. So we talked about your character as the linchpin pulling all three stories together as well as in translating the novel to the play, the character that needed filling out creation, maybe in slightly different ways. Yeah. For you being in that role, telling her story, what's the most powerful part of her story for you, or playing the character? Oh God, I mean, the thing that strikes me about Florence the most is that it's survivor's guilt, which is a very potent thing. And I think, it's, I think that is actually something that links all of them. I think that she is the sort of the centre point of it, but Farouk has survivor's guilt from his, his, his family. Um, and John does from, obviously, Javier, as does, as does Florence. Um, it, it's, it, what's, what's great for Florence is that the three main people in Florence's life that she talks about, I actually have them 
<laughs> like in my peripheral vision. So I don't have to do that much making up or imagining. They're there. So that's, I'm lucky, I'm very lucky. And that's the only person I really have to imagine really is Pop. I have to imagine this Pop. But like, I'm imagining all of these three men when I'm talking about these, these men. And that's, I feel really lucky that I can do that. So just one thing to add, because well, from what you're saying there, because although, yes, the, the story has, uh, the, the play has harrowing stories or, uh, and so on, I feel it ends, it's like a happy ending, if you'll bear with me for a moment, because, you know, John is seeking forgiveness and penitence, and that's a big change for him, and that's a positive change. You know, Lampy has, has kind of wrestled with his demons and is looking and, and has a new outlook on, on life. Florence and, and Farouk kind of have each other, perhaps. You know, there's, there is a hope that things uh, might be better for them going forward. So, so I'm sort of looking at this, actually, there's a... There's a there's a happy ending. But it's a big, a big question for Florence is that her dilemma is she she's looking at her son and she knows she's going to eventually have to tell him who his father is. The main reason for that is that he is there are traits coming out of him that are biologically passed down from his father and that is undeniable. Um, and it's causing her son to question things about himself. It's causing him to feel that he doesn't know himself. Florence has been told to keep her mouth closed, so she's been doing what she thought is the right thing. And also, what wants to be gained by telling her son that her father was that his his father was this uh, a, a monster? Yeah. But I think now that that she makes this connection with Farouk who is somebody who understands death in a way that nobody else she's ever met before understands death and understands grief in a way that nobody else that she's met before understands. She has formed this connection with him. She knows that she could tell him anything and it would be all right. And that's the first time, again, she's ever met someone that she feels that level of safety with. So that's cathartic for her because she will be able to tell Lawrence, she'll be able to tell Farouk, and she will now, at long last, able to move on from carrying this weight, dragging this weight uh, through her life. So that is why I agree with you, it is a happy ending. And, and Darrow was saying to me, Lampy will be able to go back to McDonald's. That's the... That's where... We should think about adding that. The poster was, the, the was going to be a chicken legend. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we will thank you again for staying. We will thank the incredible cast and director um, and Donal as well for being here with us. And you may all go to McDonald's every <laughs> night on your merry way. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you.